God bless you guys. So good to see you. Wow. To stand up here and see all of you is what a blessing and privilege that is. Thank you so much, Pastor. You know, I, I'm so privileged to be on the staff here, and I have a ringside seat to watch Pastor Chuck lead. And uh, you know that he is an outstanding leader, but I want to tell you, he is really an outstanding leader. I've seen him lead through this crisis that we've been through as a, as a nation, and he does it prayerfully. He listens to the Lord, and he and Candace are so dedicated. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your leadership here at Restoration Church. It's also, it's also a great joy to have uh, with us today my daughter and my son-in-law and my wonderful grandchild, one of them, uh, and uh, we're so proud of them, and they're here today. Uh, you know, when you get my age and your children show up when you preach, that means they, they come to make sure you don't do something stupid. Uh, so they come, you know, we'll take care of him if he gets silly or something. But no, they, they're here today and I love them. And I have our neighbors with us today. Uh, Vanjie and Kevin have come today and uh, we're so delighted and honored to have them today. I want to jump right into the Word today because I know that we need to hear a Word from God today. If there's ever been a time in our life history that we need to stay current in the Word of God more than current in the news is right now. And so I was praying and have been seeking the Lord about this service, and a theme just really got a hold of my heart, and that's to talk to you about God's crisis management plan and talk to you about how to deal with crisis. And this worship team could not have set up this message any better. You guys were just awesome today. Uh, I wish I was young enough to get up here and do that dance that you guys did. <laughs> you know, my dance right now is more like... You know, that, that's about it. I used to do those steps. <laughs> but if I tried that now, I might break my leg. So it's... Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to be here today and to love you with our praise, our worship. And Lord, we just so need to take in the word of the living God. I pray that you will just transform us as a people to be the sons and the daughters of the almighty God to stand, having done all, to stand, to live with courage and confidence and peace and strength. So, Lord, let there be a healing that will flood over us today. I pray that you will minister at the end of this message in a very deep and specific way to those places that we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Professionals are telling us that stress is at an all-time high level. In fact, it's higher right now than it's been since World War II. There's another pandemic besides COVID. It's a pandemic of fear and worry and stress in our nation. Six million Americans are suffering with panic attacks right now. So many things have been disrupted. Our jobs, our the education of our children, our health care, the economy, our relationships and how we relate to our friends and family, our social life has been gutted so much. And that disruption is causing a lot of emotional stress. The American Psychological Association recently said we are facing a national mental health crisis. Suicide, for instance, has passed car crashes as the number one injury death in America. The Los Angeles Times recently carried a headline that said, Uncertainty is stressing us out right now. 
And isn't that true? Just the uncertainty that we're living in. How many have been feeling the uncertainty of our time, the uncertainty of our age? And a recent study revealed that 77% of Americans say that when they contemplate the future, there is, it is a significant source of stress. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that we need a strategy for facing stress and pressure in life. And I believe that the Word of God gives us that strategy. I'm not here to give you a psychological lesson. I think there's some wonderful things in psychology and counseling. I thank the Lord for those professionals. But we need to hear what the Lord himself is saying to us about how to live in the days that we live. So, what comes out of you when life is squeezing you? Hmm. What comes out? And some of you say, well, Don, nothing comes out of me but just sweet goodness. <laughs> Faith, assurance, confidence, that's all that comes out of me. Well, bless your heart. You can just pack it up and go home right now. <laughs> Maybe you don't need this message. But many today are filled with fear and worry and anxiety, and they have difficulty finding peace and joy. And when the pressure of life comes in upon them, what comes out is fear and stress and worry. You know, in praying for this service, I, I really sensed that the Lord wanted to bring a healing, an inner healing. Uh, I, I wrote down the word soul healing in this room. That he wants to give to us a supernatural measure of peace and rest that doesn't come by intellect. It doesn't come by reading a book. It doesn't come because your, your paycheck has been increased or because you got a promotion on the job or because of some good circumstance. It is a supernatural peace that comes and I want the Holy Spirit to minister that to us today. In fact, I believe that Jesus has walked into this room today. I felt him already. I remember one time that Jesus walked into the room after his resurrection to a bunch of troubled disciples who were stirred up with confusion and anxiety. And the, the first thing that he said when he walked into the room was peace. Peace. And I think the Lord has walked into this room today to tell us peace. I want you to go to Psalm 11. We want to start there as a launching pad today, Psalm 11. This psalm captures David in the midst of a severe crisis, a desperate situation. We, we don't really know the exact circumstance or the event of David's life that brought him to write this psalm. But we know he was in desperate straits. Listen to it. It starts in verse 1. In the Lord, I take refuge. He starts with a tremendous faith proclamation. In the Lord, I take refuge or I take my place of safety and security. And then he said, how then can you say to me, his advisors were saying this to David, flee like a bird to your mountain. And, and your mountain represents anything that you humanly run to to find security, whatever that may be. But David said, for look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. Why should I run? Because they've got their arrows aimed. If I run, they're going to get me anyway. And then he asked this important question I want you to consider today. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When everything is falling apart, what can the righteous do? When the ground under our feet begins to crumble and fall apart, everything that we've hoped for and trusted in. You know, this word foundation can even mean in the Hebrew 
the culture that we live in, when those things that have held our society together begin to fall apart, what do we do as believers in the living God? And then he gives us this statement. And this is where we're going to land the plane. He said, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. Would you just say that with me? Let's read it together. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. What a dynamic truth. And he's saying with this that the Lord is present with us. As we come together today, two or three worship him in his name. You know what he promised? He said, I'll be there. My presence will be there. He meets us in the temple, but I want to tell you that the New Testament interpretation of that is in 1 Corinthians 6 because the Bible said your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he is living and dwelling in the holy temple that he has created in us. He is with us, and beyond that, he sits on the throne. That means that Even when we can't feel him, he is in complete control of everything that's going on around us. He has us in his hand and nothing can disturb us because God is on his throne. David saw the dangers of his enemies. His life was being threatened. He saw the anxiety. He saw everything that was pressing against him. But listen to this. He didn't just see that. He saw the Lord. He had spiritual vision to see. Stress and anxiety did not blind his spiritual sight. Circumstances and difficulties did not blind his spiritual sight. He saw with spiritual eyes the reality of God present and God ruling and reigning in control. And this is where where I want you to go today. We're going to look at two principles in this message. And the first one is this. Recapture a vision of the almighty God. How do you deal with stress today? How do you deal with all the emotional trauma that we're going through as a country, as a nation, as a people, as individuals, as members at Restoration Church. Well, we've got to recapture a vision. We've got to see God as the Almighty One. And you say, well, Pastor, no man has ever seen God. I'm not talking about physical sight because you're not going to see Him physically. I'm talking about spiritual sight. And that's very different. What is spiritual sight? It's simply recognizing his presence. It's when you come to the place in your life, you can say, you're here, Lord. It's that point in your life that you see him so much with your heart that you believe and trust him with everything you have. You come to the place where you lean upon him and trust in him. You know, 2020 vision is considered to be sort of the standard it is the average level of good sight and vision and there's a few people that even have greater vision than 2020 they tell us that you can have 2010 vision 2010 vision is absolutely phenomenal that that means that what the normal person can see at 10 feet clearly you can see it clearly at 20 feet. Wow. Now, that's not me. Because when I take my glasses off, I can't even see anything. <laughs> so, I know I don't have 2010. So, 2010, they call it maximum visual acuity. I wish I had that. But that's nothing compared to the vision of an eagle. An eagle or a hawk can see five or six times greater than any human being. In fact, I read that an eagle can see a rabbit jumping across a field two miles away. Wow, what vision. I wish we had that kind of vision. But can I tell you this morning, there is a greater vision than the the eye of the eagle. 
It is spiritual vision. When you can see the Lord on his throne, when you can perceive him close, when you know he is so real and so valid and his word is so true that you see him with all your being and no matter what comes around you, no matter what crumbles under your feet, you say, I see the Lord here. How many want to see the Lord just raise up your hand right now across the room? How many would like to have a fresh vision of the Lord this morning? Would you raise your hand and say, Lord, let me see you. Come on. Let me see you, Lord. Let me see you, Lord. Ezekiel said in chapter 12, verse 2, he said, the Lord spoke and described the people. And he said, they have eyes to see but do not see. They, they have ears to hear, but they do not hear. What's he saying? He's saying they have physical sight, but they don't have spiritual sight. It's possible to see this, the physical realm around you and be so perceptive. And people look at you and say, oh, man, you're so perceptive. You understand finances and you understand systems and you understand people and you have such savvy and you have such education, you have such understanding, but they don't understand or see God's activity. They don't understand or see God's purposes and God's power. And so if you see everything on the physical realm, what good is that if you cannot understand and perceive the living God? who is life to us. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. Amen? I want to see Jesus. The last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. And it starts with the words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation, the, the Greek word means to uncover, to reveal something. It's the revelation of Christ, his reign, his purpose, his plan for the ages and his kingdom. And John sees it with spiritual eyes. He perceives it. He knows the Lord is speaking to him on the Isle of Patmos. He has a spiritual heart. And the Lord says, write what you see. Now, that's not just physical seeing. He's speaking about his spiritual sight. Write what you are perceiving with your heart. And Jesus began to reveal his glory to John. And he began to write. Like Revelations 1.8, when Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the almighty God. He's saying that from A to Z, I am everything in between. I was God in the past. I am God today. And when tomorrow comes, I'll be God then. I am everything that you need. And then in verse 17 of the same chapter, the Lord says again, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am alive forevermore. I have the keys. Isaiah 9, 6. It talks about a child being born. And his name shall be called and gives us several titles. And then it comes down, it says, and his name shall be called Mighty God. Would you say that? Mighty God. Ooh. Mighty God. That Hebrew word means champion. It means hero. Catch this. It means the one who will be left standing when the dust is settled and the battle is over. Mighty God. Everything's falling apart. We may be losing a lot of things. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 40 days, but I know one thing. He is the mighty God. And I see him. And let me tell you, he's not just mighty on his throne or mighty over the universe. He is mighty to save. Mighty to save you. Mighty to rescue you. Mighty to be there when you need it. Oh, pastor, you're getting so mystical. I want you to be 
a man, a woman of faith and see him with your heart. We need an upgrade in our view of God. We've gotten sloppy, church. We've gotten weak and wimpy. When you really see him, he'll blow your circuits. He's awe-inspiring. In fact, when you really see him, he's scary because you can't get comfortable in the presence of the mighty God who has all power given into his hands. You just have to worship him with awe and godly fear and reverence because when you come into his presence, it's beyond your understanding. I remember when Linda and I we were serving a church up in Ohio and we had the opportunity to go over into Canada and drive down to see Niagara Falls. And when we were getting close to the falls, I saw the water and the spume just coming up from miles away. I hadn't even got, hadn't even got there. And something just hit me. I thought, oh my goodness, this thing is so big and so powerful that I can see it from miles away when I got there and I leaned over the edge. I thought, it just took my breath away. I thought, this is scary. But God is the one who created that because he's a God of big things. Nothing is out of his control. I love the story of the little boy who was kneeling down saying his bedtime prayers, just a little bitty guy. And he was praying his, his nightly prayers. Dear God, bless Mama and bless Daddy. And Lord, I pray you bless Grandma. And, and God, you better take care of yourself because if something happens to you, we are all in a mess. <laughs> well, can I tell you, you don't have to worry about God. You need Him. I said you need Him right now in your life. And he doesn't need to be optional equipment like something in an automobile that, yeah, I'll add that. That's nice. That's, but I could do without that. that. God is not optional. Some people have made God a question mark, but not a period. They made him a hope so, but not a no so. They made him a tradition, but not a living reality in their daily life. They made him a religious option, but not the reigning Lord of Lords in their life. He's real. And as never before, the church needs to rise up with Paul and say, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. I'm committed. Because I know God is committed to me, Lord of Lords. Deuteronomy 33, 26 said, There is no one like God who rides on the heavens, who helps you on the clouds in this majesty. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemy before you. Why, why, why not? Are you going through this? We know this. I'm going through this because almost everything in our culture in the entertainment industry, in the media, is either denying God, attacking God, or blaspheming God. But I'm here to tell you today again, we need a fresh spiritual vision of the Almighty God. He is in between the pages of our life. He is arranging everything for good in us. Nothing can override his purpose for you. Nothing. He's in the details of your life. He's in the details. One Thursday in California, a woman went to a restaurant in Glendale. She almost choked to death. She couldn't exhale. For a minute and a half, she was struggling, not able to breathe. And after a minute and a half, finally, this man ran over to her table and gave her a sharp blow on the back and it dislodged some food in her airway. And she said, it was like a miracle. 
She said she was instantly okay, and she told everyone around her, she said, I was praying, I'm a, I'm a believer, and I was calling out to the Lord in my heart for the Lord to please help me, and she looked over at the man and said, you're a miracle, thank you, and she thanked him, and he left the restaurant, the guy that had saved her life. As soon as he walked out the door, the waitress walked over to this woman and said, you don't know what a miracle he is. That man has come in here for lunch for every Wednesday, listen to this, for every Wednesday for the last 11 years, and today he came on Thursday. <laughs> Can I tell you that God is in the details? I know we've said the devil is in the details, but the devil isn't in my details. The Lord of glory is in the details. Hallelujah. He is on the throne, and he's got you. I don't know what you're going through today, but I know he is Lord between midnight and daylight. He is Lord in between the operating room and the recovery room. He is Lord in between the bad day and the good day. He is Lord in between the paycheck and the next paycheck. He is the Lord in between the worst news and the best news, the Lord is in the details. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. I want to see you this morning. How do you see him? Do you trust him? You say, Pastor, how, how can I see the Lord? How, how do I do that? I, I want to see him. How, how can I see him? Well, this is... The simple secret, you just draw close to him. That's it. Intentionally, purposely, commit time to seek the Lord. Our pastor talks to us continually about prayer and the Word. That's real. That's important. Not just in church should you be seeking the Lord. Not just here on Sunday. It's easy to seek him here. But I'm talking about every day, clearing away the clutter and making time for God. And as you seek him, he becomes real. Hey, I, I can prove that. James 4 verse 8 said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What a promise. Draw near and he will draw near to you. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Notice this. You double-minded you that are trying to go two different ways at the same time. You say, I'm a believer, but yet you're walking over here in fear and doubt and sin and disobedience and fleshly things that you know God isn't pleased in. You cannot be double-minded if you want to really see him. Well, that's good preaching, Pastor. Hebrews 11, 6 and says, he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. The passion translation. Wow. God calls you to exercise your faith, to participate, to come in to his presence, to make him the sinner. If, if, how do I survive the stress I'm going? You need to seek the Lord. You need to see him with fresh eyes. When the Supreme Court comes in the session, the marshal steps up and makes an announcement. He says, oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. All persons having business before the honorable, the Supreme Court of the United States are admonished to draw near and give their attention for the court is now sitting, God save the United States, and this honorable court. I've been going around the house saying, oh, yay, oh, yay. Linda says, stop, stop. So now I can stop, honey. <laughs> what are they saying? They're saying, if you want to do business with God, this is the way I'm using it. If you want to do business with God, if you want to enter into the supreme court of God, you've got to get involved. You've got to participate. You've got to come close. This is how we fight our battles. 
This is how we go through crisis. We get close because we know he can do anything. I, I shared this in the leadership retreat when Moses led the two million Israelites across the wilderness. Conservative number, probably more like four. But anyway, let's take two. They needed food. There wasn't a Kroger, a Publix, or a Mickey D's anywhere to be seen. They were just out in the wilderness. And the Lord was there. And Moses saw the Lord as the great I am. And he called on God. And guess what God did? He sent manna. You say, well, big deal. I'd hate to live on manna for years, for 40 years. That, that's a horrible thing. Let me tell you about God. Do you think he would have given them something bad? I believe that manna was so good. I believe it was God's superfood. I believe it was packed with vitamins and nutrients. It had everything they needed to be satisfied, to be healthy, to be whole. But to, listen, to feed, think, two million people manna every day, every day. What kind of miracle would that take? Well, it's been estimated that it would take 4,500 tons a manna to feed two million people. To put that in human terms, that's 10 trains with 30 cars on each train loaded with manna going into the wilderness every day. Man can't do that. But the God that we serve, when we can see him, he can do anything. Does anybody need manna today? Come on. Give the Lord praise with me, will you? Give him praise. And quickly, in closing, let me give you the other principle. Recapture a vision of the Almighty God. But secondly, recover the ability to rest in the Lord. Rest. Rest. I was challenged one great writer I recently heard about made a statement he said, if you were to look at Jesus in his daily life, if you could have been there and watched Jesus, he said, what would have been the most prominent characteristic or quality of Jesus? And this brilliant New Testament theologian, this is what he said. He was relaxed. I thought a lot about that. Really? That's the way people just on the outside would have observed Jesus. He was totally relaxed. He, he was facing devils and diseases and problems and difficulties, things that we would have said, what pressure? Jesus, relax. Relaxed. I believe the Lord is calling us to recapture that. Come on, everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. Come on. Some of you, you haven't done that in so long. Just let it go. Listen, Dutch Sheets made an amazing statement just this week. He said, Jesus has destroyed the authority of chaos. Well, that's a write down. He has destroyed the authority of chaos. Today, there is a chaos of the soul. There is a just a turning up of the soul, a brewing of confusion and uncertainty, hopeless mayhem and disorder. Satan is sowing that. He is the author of fear and confusion and lies and deceptions. That is his work to sow disorder into your life if he can get you so disturbed and so confused, then he knows that you're, you're worth nothing for the kingdom of God. God calls us to peaceful confidence. John 14, 27, this is what Jesus said to his disciples when he was about to leave them. He left them this legacy, and they must have quoted this verse a million times between themselves. Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not, do not 
Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The authority of chaos, the spirit of fear, the demons of anxiety have to kneel before the peace of God. When the Lord touches you, a miracle happens. The peace that he can give you this morning will supersede and overcome all the chaos that you may be walking through in your life. Jesus walked across a stormy sea. The winds were blowing and gusting. He walked on top of it. And as soon as he got into the boat, the Bible said the waters settled down. They just settled down and Jesus said, take courage. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You're talking about calm and relaxed. The disorder yielded to the presence of Jesus Christ. Jesus overcomes depression. I said Jesus overcomes depression. Jesus overcomes anxiety. Jesus overcomes disorder in our lives, in our family, in our workplace. Jesus is in the midst of your chaos. He's in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your marriage conflict. He's in the midst of your, of your sickness and your, all the stuff you're going through. Matthew 6, 25, Jesus told his followers, stop worrying. In fact, in those verses out of the Sermon on the Mount, listen to me, four times Jesus said, do not worry. Oh, Pastor, you're stepping on my toes now because I'm a great worrier. I take pride in my worry. <laughs> well, I understand that. And I'm so thankful. I'm going to give you something that's going to make you feel a lot better because the verb form in verse 25 when he says, do not worry about your life. You know what the verb form in the Greek says? It really says, do not continually worry. He's giving us a little bit of grace there. Because he knows as human beings that we just have the tendency to worry. I worry about my kids. Some of them are here today. I, I worry about my grandchildren. I, I worry about a lot of things. But I stop myself. And I get my spiritual legs back under me. And I take all the energy of the worry and I get on my knees and I say, Lord. That's the way to handle worry. Because Jesus' will for me is not for me to continue to worry. Guard your minds. Guard your minds against fantasies and imaginations and rehearsing destruction. Some of you are just letting your role playing in your mind, all kinds of destructive things. And when you're in a marriage battle, the worst thing you can do is just imagine what's going to happen. The what ifs. The what ifs. What if this happens? Put on the belt of truth. Get before the Lord. Seek him. We can't live life by depending on our logic and our understanding and our intuition. Stop being self-reliant. Look to Jesus. He's the one that said, without me, you can do nothing. And a lot of us need to just get over our pride. I, I take care of myself, and I've got a good mind, and I can reason. Listen to what Proverbs said. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Can you imagine Gideon? These Midianites by the, by the thousands had been attacking Israel and just bringing them into, into destruction and uh, slavery. And so God raises up Gideon to go against them. And then he whittles down all the volunteer team down to 300 that doesn't even make sense. That is stupid. But God is on his throne. Amen? You may be outnumbered. You may not have the resources. But when you see him, that's all you need. And these Israelites ran into the middle of the Midianite camp blowing torches and breaking, I mean, breaking their torches and blowing trumpets. 
And when they did, God moved in and did a great thing, and the whole Midianite army was defeated before them. That's what can happen when you see the Lord. When you rest, rest, rest in Him. I don't understand this, Lord, but I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to lean into you. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. The Passion Version said, for I am your oasis. You will find refreshment and rest in me. What do you need? What do you need to surrender to him today? You know, resting is really more about surrendering. It's just about surrendering. We're coming to a close. I want our musicians to begin to play. And the international symbol of surrender, as you know, is just simply waving a white flag. That's it. I surrender. Some of you are not going to find rest until you surrender. You got to surrender. Your fear, your worry. You think, I can worry better about this than God can deal with it. No, you're wrong. God is stronger than you are. Come on. See him. Rest in him. Surrender. Lord, I'm, I'm so tired of carrying this stress. I'm so tired of worrying about my children. I'm so tired of wrestling with this marriage. I'm so tired of carrying this financial burden. I'm so tired of trying to be good enough. I feel so condemned all the time. Lord, I'm tired of wrestling with this addiction. Lord, I surrender. I surrender, Lord. Yes, Lord, I see you. Will you just close your eyes right now? Who needs to surrender something to the Lord? Something you've been carrying up in the balcony. Something that has been a heavy weight. And you thought you were strong enough to carry it. And the Lord showed you today that it's time to let go of it. Who down here is carrying things that you've worried about and you have lost sleep? You've been up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the middle of the night walking the floors trying to work it out. And the Lord is calling you this morning to surrender it, to let go of it. Let go of it. I'm, I'm going to ask you in just a second to do something that's going to stretch you I'm not going to ask you to come down here, but I'm going to ask you, if you need to surrender something to the Lord today, that the Holy Spirit is speaking. Don't do it because I'm asking you to, but if the Lord is speaking to you about letting go of something, and you want to see the Lord in a new way, in His greatness and His power, I'm going to ask you to stand and say, Lord, I'm ready to let go of this. I need my soul to be healed today. In the name of Jesus, no one looking around, I want you to stand. That's it. Just stand up. In the name of Jesus, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to let go. I can't take it anymore. I can't fight this battle any further. I'm ready to wave the white flag. There's still some more up in the balconies. I see you. God bless you this morning. God bless you this morning. God bless your heart. He knows you by name. He knows you by name. His eyes are continually on you. Jesus. Jesus. You drive away the darkness. Yes, you do, Lord. I'm going to wait just a minute more. A minute more. 
And the Lord has brought us to this moment for ministry. Don't miss it. Come on. Stand up. Today. Today is my day. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to surrender this. Yes. 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 God bless you. The Lord is in this house. How many feel the presence of the Lord right now? Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And now, right now, you that are standing, would you just lift your hands and just wave them before the Lord and just say, Lord, I surrender it. I give it to you. I give it to you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we bring you the weights. We bring you the burdens. We bring you the source of our pain, our fear, our doubts. And Lord, we surrender them to you. Now, mighty Jesus, speak peace into everyone that's standing. Supernatural peace. We cast down the lies of the enemy. We cast down every destructive force that would hinder your sons and daughters. Lord, we release faith in them. Oh God, let them breathe deeply into their spirits, into their heart of hearts and soul of souls, into the very temple that God has created in them. Let there be new rest. Come on, breathe it in, in your spirit. Take it in. Begin to thank Him. Begin to praise Him right now. I believe that God is doing, or will you stand with us, everyone? Just stand with us. Let's sing right now as we come into the presence of the Lord. As we worship the Lord together. Come on, let's praise Him. scriptures I want to speak over you in Philippians 2 Paul said let 
Tim Hansel said the most powerful word in the New Testament is the word let. Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus our Lord. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one prospers. There's paranoia in unrighteousness. But he said, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. How many of you are covered by the blood of Jesus? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Paranoia, fear has no right. May you receive boldness. Hold your hand out right now. Just, Father, by your spirit, make us not arrogant, cocky, but, but spiritual Godfidence, I call it. Be confident you're the sons and daughters of God. And I don't know why, but there are two other things. When we were praying yesterday, I just, when we were praying for this service and as we do every Saturday, <clears throat> I heard these words over and over and over and over. The, the, the Lord just said, the tomb is empty. The tomb is, some, be, some people have said, you know, that's your ministry. That, that would, those four words just define your ministry. And I want it to define our faith, our church. Listen, the world's in chaos, but the church isn't. Genesis 26 verse 1 says, there was a famine in the land. Verse 12 says, and Isaac sowed and reaped a hundredfold the same year. This doesn't have to be a crazy year that takes us out. It could be a year of promotion in our faith. I declare, I know the world wants it to go by and we, we joke about it, but over everybody connected to this church, may this year end with a bang. May this year lift you up, your marriage, your family in every way. How many of you, how can you say that, Pastor Chuck? Because the tomb is empty. God works on a different clock. In the name of Jesus, you're blessed and not cursed in the name of Jesus. Pastor Mon, I thank you so much for your pastoral word. Fear has no right. Worry, anxiety, no right in this place. Amen. And so I speak over you, Deuteronomy, the words from Numbers chapter six. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance up on you and give you peace. Colossians says, let the peace of God rule or umpire in your life. Y'all got a picture of that? This week, the peace of God says to your fear, you're out. Strike three, it's over. Amen? Now, how many of you raise your hand and declare? Say it with me. I am blessed. I am blessed and favored of the Lord. Amen. Listen, remind you, if you come on Wednesday night this week, you'll be by yourself and you'll be stuck in the parking lot. And we're going to miss you um, as we prepare this holiday season. Um, I pray that your time with your family is rich and meaningful and, and beautiful in every way. And we'll see you back here next Sunday. Y'all have a great afternoon. God bless you.